welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. It is five words. You're going to memorize this verse after I read it one time. It says, do not quench the spirit. Let's all recite that together. Do not quench the spirit. Look at somebody and say that. Do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Uh, from this, I just want to talk to us today about a simple subject. I'll title, don't put the fire out. Don't put the fire out. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voice to the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. Father, we love you. We exalt you. We magnify you. And we thank you for your presence that is in this place. God, I ask right now that as the word goes forth, that we would open our heart and mind to hear it and receive it. Let it take root in our life, oh God. And I pray that you would manifest your presence in this place as we reach out to you and we call upon you, desiring to experience everything you have for us. We worship you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord, yes, give him some praise. Yes, Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be seated. My uh, wife and I, um, when we were planning our honeymoon, we were using Groupons and uh, payments. We're like, ah, we can buy our tic plane tickets. So we bought our plane tickets, and they were like, well, how are we going to pay for where we're going to stay? And so that happened a couple months later. We finally did something, got it all put together. But um, we're like, let's go somewhere new. We've never been before, and let's go somewhere that we can afford. And uh, for some reason, we just <laughs> agreed upon Las Vegas. And so we took all of our um, money that we got from the wedding and went to the casino. And obviously, we didn't do very good because we're not rich, so. I'm teasing. We didn't do any of that. So I'm just, just so everyone's aware, we did not go to, we did go to Vegas. We did not go to the casino. Uh, anyway, we found a nice little, uh, it was the Groupon Hotel, by the way. It was actually a really nice area. Um, it was on the outskirts of Las Vegas. And um, what's funny is you could see Las Vegas and you're like, oh, that's not far. And then you get in the car and you start driving towards it. And like 40 minutes later, you're like, why aren't we here yet? It was the illusion of like how the valley is so spaced out, surrounded by mountains. And I'm like, I see the lights. I'm like, no wonder people, when they get stranded in the desert, like, oh, there's water. I almost see it. And then they walk themselves to death. I was like, what is happening? We're driving this car and we never made it hard, it seemed like. But uh, it was a nice little area. Um, but where our, our hotel, resort type thing, whatever it was, uh, the entrance to it, you would go to the right, you'd turn right outside of it to go towards Las Vegas, you go left uh, to go uh, into the wilderness. 
because five minutes down the road, we're like, oh my. I was like, did we fill this car up with gas? Because like, I mean, I don't, we drove, I don't know how far and we didn't see anything. And I'm like, you know, I did not prepare for this. We we're married one day and now we're going to die. So that was good. Um, anyway, it was, it was beautiful um, and such. And I could have swore that John Wayne was going to come riding uh, on the other side of that mountain at any moment. He did not though. But uh, it, it was just such a cool, cool experience. And so one day we were driving towards the, um, the Grand Canyon and uh, we decided on the way there to stop and see the Hoover Dam. And uh, that was an incredible structure. Uh, that was impressive, uh, to say the least. I mean, that's a really, you know, severe understatement. It's impressive. But, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're uh, just walking, you know, on, not through it, but on top and, and seeing on this side uh, this just beautiful uh, body of water. And then on the other side the abyss, and we're like, oh my, and, um, and so, you know, just seeing this structure built, we realized, you know, this, this was an incredible uh, feat of man, and so that was the thing, though, that we noticed. It's man-made. The Hoover Dam is man-made. It's not a natural structure. It's not a natural phenomenon. And this man-made structure stops the flow. It was intentionally built with one of the purposes that it served was to stop this flow of water because when that structure would be removed, the water would come rushing forth. That's what all dams do. They're meant to stop the flow. We understand that they have a function and purpose for the reason why they are built in the natural. But spiritually speaking, a dam is not something any of us should or would want at work in our life. Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up, cried out, and said, If anyone, anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, your height, your weight, your ethnicity, your language, your family tree, your bank account, none of that matters. Jesus just said, anyone. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever, there it is again, anyone, everyone, whoever, it's in this all-inclusive invitation. Whoever, here's the stipulation, believes in me. As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, out of his innermost being, the very core of who you are. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then the Bible gives us commentary on what Jesus was referring to. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
Jesus spoke of the Spirit, which we find time and time again. He spoke of it as an unquenchable, unstoppable aspect. This unquenchable, unstoppable flow of the Spirit. Not just an experience, but a flow. Whoever is thirsty, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, out of his belly, his heart, his innermost being will flow. Everybody say flow. It's flow, rivers of living water. It's the Spirit. Throughout Scripture, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, it's all talking about the same thing, is likened unto oil, fire, wind, and water. It's not four separate spirits. When you read and see, well, it's, it's compared to fire in this instance, and it's compared to oil in this instance, and it's compared to water in this instance. How many spirits do I have to receive? No, it's one. It's describing the different aspects, the different characteristics of the same spirit. It is like water out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It also has a fiery aspect that it can purge you of uncleanness. And the Spirit of God has the power to sanctify you and make you holy in His presence. That's why it's called the Holy Spirit because the nature of God's Spirit is holy. Does that make sense? God is holy, so his spirit would be holy. So throughout scripture, we understand these different characteristics and descriptions of the spirit of God. But John the Baptist uh, proclaims Jesus as the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus is the one who baptizes people with the Spirit. That's what it says. But it's the Holy Ghost and fire, so it's, there's this aspect of it where fire, fire is hot. Fire gives light, and fire spreads if fire is not contained. If fire isn't limited to a certain space, if fire doesn't have barriers set up around it, it will spread. Just like a mighty river or a mighty body of water can be stopped with a man-made structure, fire can also be contained through the efforts of man. And so what we see here is that if we're not careful, Man can get in the way of what God wants to do. Man can create spiritual dams to stop the flow. Man can create spiritual barriers to prevent the spread. And so we have to look at our life and examine ourselves. Jesus said in Acts 1, 4 through 5, 
And while staying with them, he ordered them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It won't be long now, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be clothed, immersed, completely saturated, and covered inside and outside with the Holy Spirit. It's not supposed to just be a little touch. It's not supposed to be just a little chill. It is supposed to be this complete dipping and immersion in his spirit where you are completely transformed forever. And only the Spirit of God has the power to sanctify you and make you holy. And only the Spirit of God working through you has the ability to transform you where you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. You can't do that on your own, no matter how badly you may want to. You and I must experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And it is an experience. It is an experience. It is an experience that once you encounter it, you can literally write it on your calendar, the date, the year, and even if you do it quick enough, the time in which you experienced it. I promise you, I promise you, there's this well-known, highly acclaimed looked up to revered preacher pastor of a Christian persuasion I'd have to go back on YouTube and find it and so if you want you know the proof of what I'm about to say I will do that work on that this week and get it to you unless they took it down which is possible. This guy's got good stuff to say. He's spoken to, I'm sure, hundreds of thousands of people at this time. Millions of people know his name, and a bunch of people follow him uh, as a spiritual leader. And none of those things are bad, so it's not whatever. I'm setting the groundwork here for a moment just for us to absorb what I'm about to say. I was listening to his teaching, oh, I don't know, seven years ago. I don't know why I just said seven. It was something like seven years ago. It felt like a long time, so I don't know how long ago it was. We'll go with seven. Seven years ago. How old was I? Yeah, it's probably close. And uh, I'm listening, and he's got really good stuff on discipleship, okay? He's convicting me about discipleship, okay? And Jesus talked about discipleship. If you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself, relinquish ownership of your life, I can't say it enough, mainly for my own sake, to hear myself. i got to turn the keys over of my life and give them to Jesus. That's denying yourself. Take up your cross, your instrument of death and suffering, and then follow Jesus. So my question is, out of all the churches in the world that are packed full of people, and I want our church to be packed full of people, and it's going to happen, so... We're steadily growing, but I would rather grow steadily and, and there be committed people 
We're not in it for a crowd. We're in it for consecrated people. And, and the goal is, is just, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus, so join the crowd. Let's, let's follow after Jesus. So it's none of this is for we can say, well, you know, we, we, we grew this church up to this, and, you know, look at us. Because if they ever call me for a church growth seminar, I'm going to decline because I'm going to be like, I don't really know what we did except for this, this, and this, and which is prayer, fasting, and outreach, Bible studies, and that's it. So um, anyway, so we understand that discipleship. You've got to do that. So my question is, out of all the churches that are packed full of people all over the world, are they all disciples or are they all just attending church? Because if you would just attend church, that, that's a good thing. That doesn't really mean much. Because uh, you and I can be faithful to a system, but not sacrifice. We can be faithful to, um, you know, our traditions, but uh, not really have a relationship with Jesus. And then at the end of the day, he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. However, um, there are other aspects of scripture that fit together to create this uh, complete puzzle, so to speak, of what we must do. So he's talking about great things of discipleship. He talks about baptism. Baptism is essential. You know, we talk about, I mean, you know, some of these words um, that have become um, perhaps a little uh, um, irritants in our spirit because we get, we're so weary with the past couple of years, not because of people, but because of the experience. Well, maybe you've been irritated with people over the past couple of years, but I'm talking about some of these phrases we've coined, like, um, well, I, we talked about the fire and stopping the spread, stop the spread. Anybody heard of that recently? Okay, so there's, <laughs> and then uh, essential, only the essential workers, essential jobs uh, can keep working and, and, and such, and, and, um, and such. Well, I, baptism is essential, spiritually speaking, um, it is, is essential. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. People asked Peter and the other 11 apostles, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so um, those things are essential. But um, there's something else that I, I believe with all of my heart. And I, I understand that some people may not agree with it. It is what it is. But uh, there's something else that I believe with all of my heart is essential and everybody should experience. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this pastor on YouTube, he's not a YouTube pastor, his videos are just all over YouTube, um, said in his teaching, he was talking about discipleship and baptism, water baptism and all these things. And then he just jumps up and he says, and wouldn't you just like to know the moment he filled you with his spirit? Wouldn't that be so nice to just have a moment you could go back to and say, this is the moment the Holy Spirit filled me. And I was very perplexed because he's so on it, like good stuff. And then he's like, wouldn't, but we just don't know. We just have to, by faith, know 
the moment and through our commitment to him, we will produce fruit. You don't produce fruit through your commitment alone. It's the fruit of the spirit. And so if you're going to produce the fruit of the spirit, you first have to be filled with that spirit, right? And so uh, I, I was just so shocked at what he said because June 3rd, 2001 in Ritman, Ohio on a Sunday night service in a small red brick building that we gathered together for church, I had my hands lifted and the presence of God was poured out upon me and I began to speak in another language of course, that we find referenced in Scripture as a, uh, as a consistent sign, sign of the infilling, not the infilling. It's the sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I knew in that moment that the Holy Ghost had filled me and I was completely immersed, saturated, and baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it was like the inside of me came alive. So I don't know about this guy but I got it dated the very moment I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I'm afraid of is that there's many people out there that cannot say that when that experience is for them. But we have to understand something, no matter if it's our first moment or we've been living for God for years, that doesn't really matter. We have to understand that it's not just an experience, but it is an experience and a lifestyle. It's an experience and a lifestyle. See, the book of Acts is a biography of the spirit falling the spirit filling, and the spirit flowing. The whole thing. But you can't flow in the spirit if you haven't been filled with the spirit. And you can't be filled with the spirit if the spirit doesn't fall on you. We see the pattern. Acts 2, they're praying in the upper room. And the sound of a mighty rushing wind sweeps through there and fills the house where they were sitting. It filled the house. The, the Spirit of God came in and moved in that place. And those people were beginning to experience the presence of God like they never had before. But then the Spirit of God is not satisfied with filling a building. The Spirit of God wants to fill people because that's why Jesus died for you. We need to be reminded of that today. It don't matter how long you've been living for God. It is the will of God that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And so that pattern fills the house, but then it sat upon each of them. Cloven tongues like as of fire sat upon each of them. There's the wind, there's the fire. It sat on them, and then it said, and they were all filled. So what sat on them now got in them. 
It's not enough to just feel his presence. You and I have to be filled with his presence because that is the only way that the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead will be able to quicken our mortal bodies. If you and I want to live forever with Jesus, we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's real quiet today. Then I don't need your volume. I need your faith. I need that agreement. I need this. I've been living for God 40 years, and I still need his spirit working and moving in my life. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we experience and read through study the falling and filling of his spirit. But then Acts 2, later on, we experience the flowing of his spirit, where Peter and the other 11 finish praying in the upper room, and they come out and they begin to preach to these people that are completely puzzled. Some are mocking, some are marveling. That's how it's always going to be. But those who are marveling are going to hear the word and respond to the word and experience the same experience that you and I have experienced. But Peter opens his mouth and begins to preach, and he's flowing. The word of God is coming forth as Peter is preaching the gospel to this crowd. And all of a sudden, at some point along the way, holy conviction pricks their heart and they say, what do we do? What must we do? But they weren't asking just Peter. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, all 12, what do we do? Peter was the spokesperson, but all the other 11 agreed. And he said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission and forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so that is what we believe, respond to, and obey. What do we do? What do I do with what I've heard about this Jesus? Well, you need to turn from this lifestyle and you need to deny yourself, relinquish ownership of your life, discipleship. Jesus is going to be my rabbi. Jesus is going to be my teacher. But Jesus said that when I go away, the spirit of truth will come to you. Well, if Jesus is the truth, then the spirit of truth is coming to the believer. That's his spirit. Jesus is the teacher, so the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. That's why he baptizes with the Holy Ghost. It says that in scripture, and so this, this spirit of truth coming, it's going to lead and guide us into all truth. And so I've been filled with his spirit, but now I'm going to flow with his spirit. What does that mean? Lead and guide you into all truth. You don't get everything the moment you're filled. That's why Jesus calls it being born again of water and spirit. 
Once you are born again of water and spirit, the immersion in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost that you respond to in faith and expectation and the Holy Ghost comes on you and the Holy Ghost comes in you for that first initial time, a sign is produced, the sound of life. You speak in a language that you don't know, but it is an undeniable sign. And I promise you what you feel on the inside inside you will never forget it is like that river of living water flowing out of you it is like Jesus himself breathed the breath of life into your spirit man and you were able to live again it's undeniable it's unforgettable and it is an amazing experience that every person on the face of the earth should experience but that's just new birth now you're a baby and you got to be spirit-led and spirit-guided in the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth will guide you, guiding and being led as you grow and mature into who God wants you to be. So just in case some of us were thinking, oh, well, it's all, it's all good. Been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm done. No, you're a baby. You may have been in the church for 30 years, but if you aren't being spirit-led and spirit-guided, you're a spiritual baby. And so we see flowing again, flowing, more flowing. Acts 3, Peter and John healing the lame man at the gate beautiful. Flowing, Acts chapter 4, spirit-led, sacrificial, and abundant giving. They're selling houses and land and just dumping it into the church and, the, and, and they're using it to meet the needs of those who can't help themselves and they're furthering the kingdom of God and flowing, Acts 5, spirit-empowered boldness in the face of persecution. We're gonna beat your back till it's bloody and open. We gotta keep preaching Jesus. Do whatever you gotta do. And we cried persecution at COVID. We can't have church. I'm done. It's a whole, I got to stop. It's, it's a rabbit trail that will be three more hours, and I know we all got to go eat. Whoo, Lord help me. We'll talk about that soon, though. Don't worry. Uh, so, you know, persecute, we're not, we weren't persecuted. No, nobody was persecuted. Um, anyway, uh, but spirit-empowered boldness in the face of persecution. We got to keep preaching Jesus. Acts 6 through 7, spirit-driven boldness to preach even though death would come. Stephen is literally preaching and praying for the forgiveness of those who are heaving stones at his head. And we got divided as the body of Christ over masks and vaccines. Well, it's easier to pray for Forgiveness for a sinner. No. I'm your brother. You're my brother. Brothers and sisters in Christ. If you can't forgive your brother and sister, how in the world do you think you can forgive somebody you don't know? We're the family of God. <laughs> There's no unforgiveness in heaven. So if it's not resolved here on earth, one of the two in that group isn't going to make it. 
So we see Stephen, a perfect example, a challenging, convicting story of a man who is so pure in heart and so filled with the Holy Ghost that he is praying and asking God, don't lay this sin to their charge. And that last stone strikes his head and it says he falls asleep. The last prayer Stephen is praying is not for himself. It's for somebody else. But us, we're like, God, we good? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm about to leave this body. Forgive me of my sins, Lord Jesus. But a spirit-led, a spirit-filled life is so much beyond childlike in immaturity. Flowing, Acts 8, Philip goes to a new city and preaches the gospel. Philip didn't even have a license. He just went there and preached. And then he's spirit-led again to go to the desert to preach to one man. One man baptizes him, and when the guy comes out of the water, Philip's gone. So the Spirit translated him to another location, and the story reads, and Philip started walking through that city preaching the gospel. It's like he's baptizing the guy in the wilderness, and it says the guy comes up out of the water. So apparently Philip let him go when he was under the water. And uh, it's, he, he just he's translated and then he finds himself in a city and he starts preaching the gospel. Nothing can stop the church if we don't let it. Only man-made things hinder it. Yeah, I know, like the governor. No, our fear hindered us from spreading the gospel. No man on the outside can stop this because persecution sought to stop the church in the beginning. And guess what? It just spread like wildfire even more. The more persecution that came in the early church, the gospel spread even more. And we're like, man, we want to be like the book of Acts church. Well, Get ready. I know some people don't think we're not going through anything before we get out of here, but you got to go read the Bible. Persecution in the beginning is what created such a massive spread of the gospel. Through difficult times in these last days, men and women of God will rise up full of the Holy Ghost and they will go through every city preaching the gospel and there will be people baptized and it will be a powerful demonstration of the Spirit of God in these last days. In North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, it doesn't matter. The Spirit of God will not be contained by any man because God will find somebody who is willing to flow with his spirit. Amen? But then Acts 8, 10, and 19, three of those chapters, we find explicit examples of flowing, falling, and filling. Philip, flowing in the spirit, goes and preaches. Peter and John come down and pray, and people are filled with the Holy Ghost. It fell and they were filled. Acts 10, Peter flowing in the spirit as he goes in a time of prayer. Gets a vision, 
to go preach to a man. Those people come get him. He goes to Cornelius' house. He's flowing in the spirit. He preaches the gospel. The Holy Ghost falls in that house, and they're all filled with the spirit. Acts 19, Paul is flowing in the spirit, passing through the upper coasts of Ephesus, finds certain disciples of John the Baptist. And he says, if you receive the Holy Ghost since you believed, and like, we haven't heard about this. And he's like, well, because you haven't heard about the Holy Ghost, that tells me that there's something off about your baptism. So he says, how were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. It matters how you're baptized. And so uh, Paul says, well, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance. John was just preparing the way of the Lord. But he said to believe on him which should come after him, which is Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, they said, okay, baptize us in his name. And it says that Paul baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, it matters how you're baptized. They, he didn't say Father. He didn't say Son. He didn't say Holy Spirit. He baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then it says Paul laid his hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake with other tongues and prophesied. Three examples in Scripture outside of Acts chapter 2 of flowing, falling, and filling. These examples continue throughout the book of Acts, and they still continue today. Why? Because wherever the spirit is not quenched, the Lord is in their midst. Amen? The Lord was in our midst today. My question is, is were you trying to quench it in your life? No, Jesus, I can't let go of this. I got a wall up. He's not going to tear the wall down, but the moment you open the door, he will, like a river of living water, come flowing into your life. And those dry places in your life will be restored and healed and made whole. And that is the will of God for every person in this place to be filled and overflowing with his spirit. The falling and the filling is an experience that you will never forget. But the flowing is in the lifestyle. Now that you've been filled with his spirit, can you be led by his spirit? Can you go where he says to go? Can you say what he says to say? Can you not do what he says don't do? And what that is a test of our self-denial. And no, none of us get it right all of the time. But we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But you and I must be filled with his spirit in order to flow in his spirit walking in the spirit, living in the spirit. But in order to flow, it first needs to fall on you. And when you feel the Holy Ghost fall on you, what is that? It's an external sensation. Man, I felt something. There's the Holy Ghost on you. Open the door and let it in. I feel something. You, you look at people and you see goosebumps, chill bumps, and, and they're like, oh, it's just cold in here. No, it's not cold in here. It's very hot in here today. So nobody, well, you got a coat on, so get, him. get her a pizza, get her blood pressure up, cholesterol up, something. <laughs> uh, it falls on you. You sense something. I, I, I was teaching a Bible study this past week, 
and I and the presence of God was there so strong. And and I, I I saw on this guy's face he was feeling the presence of God like he's never felt it before. And you could see on his face he's like, man, I've been to Bible studies that I could tell he'd never been to one like this before because he got real quiet at the end. He was talking, very nice guy, enjoyed connecting with him. But when the Bible study was done, what was that? The Holy Ghost was on him but there's many people around this world that as they worship God the Holy Ghost sweeps in because he responds to worship but what we all need to do is remove the man-made dams and the man-made containments of fire and just his presence is here his presence is on me I want his presence to fill me experience everything Jesus has for you experience everything don't limit it don't quench it don't extinguish it the falling and filling is an experience the flowing is a lifestyle and I need both both